Welcome to Breakthrough the Ordinary. You know you desire a more impactful, connected, extraordinary life. That's why we are here to bring you stories from transformational leaders, healers, and entrepreneurs who found themselves trapped in the ordinary and are now living their most extraordinary life because of a breakthrough moment. Together, we will provide world-class tips and tools enabling you to live a life purposely, aligning your heart and soul, because we believe no one should be imprisoned by their past. We are your hosts, Mark and Claudine Chimante, a sibling duo who transformed from an ordinary life of disconnection and loneliness to a life of purpose, love, and passion. We use our expertise, our trainings, and experience to inspire others to live an extraordinary life so they can create intimate, thriving relationships that ripple throughout the world. This podcast is only the tip of the iceberg of what is possible. If you want to dive deeper into our systems and break through the endless patterns of settling for crumbs, contact us at the BTO podcast at gmail.com. Today on this episode of Breakthrough the Ordinary, our guest is... Sheila Robeson Kiss. She leads the Rebalancing America and Beyond Initiative. She's a regular contributor on NBCLX and enjoys spending downtime with her dog Gizmo and family in New Jersey. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I will first thing we'll just say is like we're all in New Jersey. I think you're our first New Jersey guest. Wow. Wow. Oh really? Yeah. Yes, we should have had you in person. Yeah, yeah. It's so next time. I don't know don't. why did I think you both were in Florida. Okay, so we're all in New Jersey. Cool. She's in Florida. I'm here. Okay, but anyway, so I digress. But I, I'm just excited to have a fellow Jerseyan here. Yeah. Um, I'm here. We always like to start our conversations with talking about our guests' breakthrough moments. So if you could, in your own words, what was the time or one of your, your breakthrough moments that had you go from the ordinary to the extraordinary life that you're now embracing? Oh my goodness. There's been so many, but you know, I would have to say when I finally decided to stop trying to put myself into a mold <laughs> that would look or sound like anyone else, I think so many of us, we go through that journey in my personal life and my career development. And I got to the point where I said, you know what, (laughs) this is what's in my heart. This is what my passion is. This is how I want to support humanity. It doesn't necessarily look like or sound like what anyone else is doing, but I have to do that authentically, you know? And I had so many concerns, you know, will, will this resonate you know, um, will, will things roll out as I want them to? And I have to say what I have discovered, particularly over the last 15 years, life one way or another rewards your authentic voice. You know, there's no one else like you and what a disservice (laughs) to try to mold yourself into, you know, anything other than that you're God ordained authentic voice. So that's when I realized that and had more or less the, the, the come to Jesus moment with myself, that's when things started to fall in place in, in all aspects of life. Love that. That's a Thank beautiful you. gift to all of us. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Be aligned to authentic self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So following that question, what do you think in your words, do people need to go through or break through to have their extraordinary life? You know, I think the number one 
element is the ability to to really see yourself, you know, and there's so much noise in life. Some of that noise we create, <laughs> you know, that that chitter chatter in our heads. Some of it is external, but to be able to to get quiet and really see yourself, see what your strengths are, what you are celebrating, what is working for you. And to also have the courage to look at what's not working, you know, what what is truly in your way. And I say have the courage because so often, you know, it's easy to play games with ourselves, but I think you have to be very clear on what are your strengths, what are the deficits, because as soon as you name it, you can sit back and say, okay then he, here's what I need to do. Here's some action steps, actionable items to jump over that and, and get inside solutions for what I'm working with. The honest audit. Yeah, exactly. Right. I like that. Mm-hmm. The honest audit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you say that. And, and just to give our audience a sense, like what is the context in which you're using your ordained gift? Like, how do you have that conversation? What, what is that space for you right now, Sheila? So I, I use the gifts in a multitude of ways, but my primary focus is supporting individuals in the area of mental health and putting together their life resilience plan. Because, you know, I don't know about either of you, but the last few years, if, if we ever needed to get real about our mental health and what we're specifically doing in the area of building resilience and holding ourselves accountable, this is the time. So that is how I use my voice um, and my gifts in support of people. And it looks a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's groups, sometimes it's, it's corporations. But my, my goal is for everyone <laughs> that I encounter to leave with the tools, the tools that are very much required today to keep yourself level, accountable, and on a path of, of balance. Because it's so easy to, to, to tilt off balance. And you can see, I mean... What did you see in the headline news today? All roads lead back to to mental health. On that, could you share a couple of those tools with our listeners so they could uh, experience you and, and your uniqueness? Uh, sure, sure. I'd love to. There's so many tools. I just did a huge talk yesterday. And one of the things I shared with the audience was how important it is to process your emotions on a daily basis. I use a tool, it's called emptying out. You can use a regular candle, you can use an electric candle, uh, but it's a wonderful practice at the start or at the end of your day, whatever is on your heart, on your spirit, it could be something that's bothering you. Maybe someone tripped your trigger, (laughs) but to simply have a moment where you are processing that and what it looks like just you're in a room by yourself, empty out. And someone said, so we're just in the room and you got your candle by yourself. You're talking. Yes, it sounds strange, but it is a way to, and free, it's a way to process that emotion, get it out. And I tell people, you don't just have to empty out 
when things are rough, empty out the joy. That's a form of self-validation. So, you know, that's a tool that is, it's simple, (laughs) easy to do, but it has a cumulative effect. I've had so many people say, Sheila, since I uh, empty out, I do it every day and I'm feeling lighter as I walk through my days. Mm. How much better than holding it in? Oh, man. Yeah. 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 I I I think that. that when we hold things in, it's going to come out you know, in, in passive aggressive behavior, oftentimes illness, physical illness, 85% of physical conditions and illness, they're rooted in some form of stress. So our bodies, you know, as the book, The Body Keeps Score, it's, it's sitting in there. So I'm, I'm really big on processing your emotions on a consistent and daily basis. So I just want to get clear, clear on it. So if you start a candle, right, had a, a heavy day and let's say there's grief and there's, you know, triggers, like you said, and it would be speaking into, if you can access the emotionality, great. If we could, even if we need to just say it, like, my God, when, you know, that so-and-so said that it hurt right to the core and I, I want to just release that hurt or I noticed my own trigger when I heard, like, that's what you mean. Just put it out there. Absolutely. So for example, There was a woman a few years ago working through some heavy duty grief and loss in a couple different domains. It's, you know, grief and loss is more than simply death. She had lost a job. It was multi-layered. So I told her, you know, you can actually, if there's a person involved in this, you can speak to them as if they're actually in the room. It's very powerful. If you find some difficulty in that initial release, you can write a few things out and speak it out loud. The whole idea is to hear your voice, and it's a form of validation. Anytime you are speaking the emotion out loud, getting it outside of you. So it's something that folks can do, particularly, you know, everyone is not going to go see a therapist. Everyone can't afford (laughs) to see one. So I like to provide folks with tools that you can use in the privacy of your own home, no judgment coming from any direction, and get get some real relief for yourself. Mm. That's great. Yeah. I I like to go to the resiliency plan, right? Like, you know, we, we, we know we're in uncharted territories. We're rebuilding, however that looks. And, and, and I'm not big on the re and rebuild and we'll be back better or whatever. It's the <laughs> idea though, right? That Because we came from an uncertainty. And I think Brene Brown has been so wonderful at like giving context to some of this. We love certainty. It's black, it's white. It's this or that, right? And we didn't have that. We lived through a two and a half to three years. So what does that resiliency look like, you know, in relationship and relationship to career, relationship to self, relationship to other, if you could speak into that context? You know, I think it's, it's not a cookie cutter model. It looks very different for everyone. You know, one of the things that I tell folks is it's really imperative to be honest and start exactly where you are because a a resiliency plan is really about having a 
a set of accountabilities, you know, and I'm, I'm really big on accountability inside consistency to. <laughs> I raised my to, hand. Right, I right. To, to, to keep yourself accountable for those inevitable moments. And I tell folks, it's not a matter of if you veer off the road, it's, it's when it's going to happen because we're all human beings. And the other piece is we do what is difficult when it's easy. You know, the, the time to build an accountability and resilience plan, and I'm going to give you some examples of, of what a plan, actual plan can look like. If you wait until you're derailed, stressed out, it's very difficult to try to reach for those tools. But if you say to yourself, you know, I have this space and time and I want to put three or four things in place because I know myself, I'm honest with myself, that I'm going to do consistently, that consistency will pay you back. I'll give you an example. Um, I was working with a couple some time ago and uh, one half of this couple said, you know, Sheila, I, <laughs> when, when I'm stressed out, when I'm frustrated, it, it just happens like clockwork. You know, first I'm, uh, I'm lashing out at him, then I'm lashing out at the kids. And I said, look, that is, that's good news. And let me tell you why, because it's a, it's a pattern. You know, anything that you can count on happening, and this has been going on for years, you can begin to control for. And I'll say again, anything you can count on happening, you can begin to control for. So why don't we put some things in place inside of your resilience map and your resilience plan that you don't get all the way up to a 10? Maybe you're just getting to a four or a five, but this happens when you get to a 10. So do you have anything that you put in place every day where you have at least 15 to 30 minutes where you can physically, physically discharge. Sheila, I haven't had anything like that in years. Okay, that's the, that's the first piece of your resilience plan. We're going to do something. It's not going to take all day. And for her, it was walking, returning back to her walking every day. Also, the communication pockets inside of her relationship. All these things that go dormant, that are left unsaid, it gets to that level 10 and then you blow up. There's nothing wrong with inside of your resilience plan. Hey, we have something two or three times a month. It's on our calendar, which I call a Karen connection calendar, where we're checking in. We do our debrief. So we're not, you know, we don't get ourselves to the point where we have all this water under the bridge and it floods out the relationship. So having that resilience plan is looking at where you are, what are your strengths, what are the challenges, and getting in front of that, putting things in place that you're doing consistently so you have the best chance possible not to enter what I call derailment, which is going to happen. But what we're trying to do is, is decrease you know, as, as much as possible, decrease the chances of that happening frequently. Oh. That care and connection. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds simple when you hear it from you. It's like doing it in advance. Do it before things get intense. Do it before you're overwhelmed, before you're – I love that idea of really uh, everything comes in. The honest audit, how do I communicate, how do I self-regulate, all that beforehand. So 
Because in the middle of it, it, it really... It's too hard. It's, it's just too hard. And I've witnessed people, including myself, when you stop and take a good hard look at your patterns, you will see what trips you up, what gets you frustrated, upset. It's generally a very repetitive, predictable chain of events. <laughs> You know, and it has to do with being honest enough to jump in front of that and say, this is what needs to be put in place so I have the best opportunity to manage myself and my emotions from from an optimal perspective. Can I take this a little deeper? So I think that's great in relationship and all. And do you help the individuals work on whatever it is that, you know, those traumas, whatever it is inside them so they can get to that place sometimes? Because it's not easy always to you know, regulate when you have so much happening. You're overwhelmed by it. It's, it's not easy, and, and you're spot on. I absolutely do. Um, I created it, it's, um, an inner child program. I Actually, it's free for folks on YouTube. And I just took several thousand people through this <laughs> for one of my client companies because so much of that, that reactive energy the the difficulty in looking at ourselves, much of that is rooted in childhood trauma and pain. And people do need the tools to be able to say, you know, we talk about this inner child. How do I, how do I even start to, to do something like that? So I do work with people quite a bit in that area and starting that inner child work. The first step there is to acknowledge that that inner child does exist. And often (laughs) when we're not in relationship with that inner child, he or she does jump in the driver's seat of our lives and can start driving the car places where, like, how did I get there? Well, (laughs) it was the eight-year-old version of yourself. So, you know, a, a lot of the reactivity really is rooted in early childhood trauma, more, I think more often than people would would realize, that's where the pattern starts. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, years ago, the inner child work I did was probably yeah. one of the most intense. It started with Bradshaw many years ago. It was probably the most intense work I've mm-hmm. ever done. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, for that. that was a I have huge to check breakthrough. You, your, yeah, your YouTube out. On it's the on there. Three part sure. series with workbook free, free for everyone because I want oh, people to you. have access to that because the inner child um, piece has been a, a major part of my breakthrough. Just dealing with all of that <laughs> trauma and and stuff from the past. It's huge. Yeah. If we could take that even to being in relationships, right? And relationship is also not just with our beloved, right? right? Our colleagues, our our careers, our health. I mean, any any tips or, or approaches of how to keep that that relationship to our inner child so that it's not popping up in the boardroom, right? Or in you know another you know another setting that um, may also impact the, the quality of our connection. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I ask people to do in in the free course that I offer is to literally it's it's something called um a map of your evolution to actually sit down and map out 
not just necessarily the negative components of where that inner child can pop up, but also, you know, that the playful spirit of that inner child. Give give full full credit to all all aspects of this inner child, but also to be very clear on where your inner child is triggered, where there still needs to be healing, because where you have not acknowledged that, we're going a little bit to Johari window here, is it's a blind spot. You, you have to be aware of, of what that blind spot is so it doesn't come up and, and you know, pop, you know and, and knock you on the side of the head. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was working with someone some years ago and the, the repetitive messaging from both mom and dad, it had to do with inadequacy, inadequacy. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. How did that play itself out <laughs> inside of a career? Okay, you're getting in front of these high-powered people. And because you have that narrative playing, you have so much going on that has nothing to do with the exchange. You don't need to, you don't need to overcompensate to, to prove anything. We get, you know, really deep in with this inner child work and that conversation took place between this individual and the inner child and all of that calmed down. You know, that, how that plays for you internally is very different than the energy that people around you are picking up on. So it, it really requires a, a very honest assessment and conversation with the inner child, which most people, until they start the work, you know, oh, that sounds odd and peculiar, talking to my inner child. But this is exactly what is necessary because you're doing something that I call that is that soul retrieval work. And until those aspects are healed, you know, this is where you see the, the, the lumps and bumps that come in to a person's life a, across the relationship continuum. It may look differently at work than it does in someone's personal relationship, but you can see some of the same patterns come in and trip folks up. Oh, uh, that inner child's running the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not always a fun show, that's for sure. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. I love this. This takes me back to the beginnings. And do you do this in workplace? Do you have people deal with their inner childs in workplace or do you approach it in a different way? Because not everybody, like I love this, but as you said, everybody thinks, man, it might be a little weird. My inner child, do you want me to go? It's vulnerable. Really vulnerable. (laughs) So how do you do in the workplace or, you know, places that aren't as open? You know, I would say, and so many of the client companies that I take on these learning journeys, many have been very surprised. I just work with a staff at Warner Brothers Discovery, and there's an assumption that, oh, you know, maybe they're going to be closed off or quite the contrary. I've had most people in corporations, of course, you have to facilitate it properly. <laughs> you know, you can't just, just go in there. You're, you're taking people through a process, but they have enjoyed it. They have taken to it because I feel instinctively people know and understand, wow, this is the piece that's been missing. You know, some of that has to do with 
how a program is facilitated. But I have to tell you, by and large, the the mental health programs, including the the inner child work, acceptance and commitment work, it's been extremely well received in workplaces. It's exactly what's needed in workplaces too. That's my opinion. I just want to honor you because you're creating the invitation. You know, we've really been talking lately about invitation that how do you open and share that creates the invitation. So I hear you and see you that you are really an invitation that the way you present and you open it to people so that they're invited in, in a way. So thank you. And thank you. you for that. What I like to start with is it's a gift for yourself that resonates with people versus the finger pointing. It's a gift to give yourself a healing gift, you know, and who, who couldn't use more healing? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you said another key word there that I, I think is continuing to also, right? it's, it's on the same continuum, but it's another space is, right? You started this conversation off with about alignment, right? Your authentic voice. And then you just said acceptance. Do you speak into that a bit of really, how do we continue to have people be in that space, right? Because I find too, right, those conversations, inner child and adequacy, as you had said, right, rule often. And so to get to that place of, I say, forgiveness, alignment, acceptance of who we are, our ordainedness. Do you, have, you want to share anything about how you take people there? or In terms of, can you clarify, do you mean just on a personal level or in a relationship, right? Because if, if that self-living belief is there, and though maybe the inner child's inner belief, getting them to that next place of the acceptance of who they are right? Even in their process, right? I still have healing to do and that's okay, right? Like how to be in that place of compassionately holding ourselves? You know, I think you, you just answered it. It's compassionately holding ourselves and moving away from judgment of ourselves and other people. That's where we get tripped up. Understanding everyone is here on an evolution. And I use the knapsack analogy. Everyone has a knapsack that they're carrying, one of those old-fashioned, old-timey knapsacks. And you may not know what's in it, but if you did, it would explain it all. (laughs) It explains it for you. It explains it for them. And having full respect for the journey that we're all on. You are here to make mistakes. You're here to learn. And you embrace that. Acceptance is easier. Yeah. All right. So it gets the narrative of perfectionism. I got to get right. I got to do it. I need to, and I need to armor, right? There's this conversation of like, what would happen if they saw me? Or you could ask, what would happen if they saw me? You know? What would happen if they saw me, if they really saw me? Same question, different twist. Great, I agree. Different intention, you know? It's like we're all from source, God, you know, creator, right? right. So they see me, right? We, we all have it. I, I often say that to people. And I, 
my presupposition in my coaching and in my therapy is we're all magnificent. And like the Buddha, we've covered ourselves with mud, right? And, and, but underneath we're gold, we're all gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, that my knapsack and journey had different things on it. It's like, but so did yours. And like, let's just like, let me see. Let's, let's I reveal. love that. I love that. Covered, covered with mud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take a hose and wash it off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so as we're coming to a close, I mean, we could speak with you for a long time for sure. Could you share any last golden nuggets, wisdom that you'd like our audience to walk away with? Oh, my goodness. There's so many little nuggets. I think the main thing that I'd like your audience to to keep in mind is this journey is incredibly incredibly short and it is your imperative to touch the part of your life it's unique to you but when you step into that authenticity of purpose and that's going to be different for everyone too and those deep levels of acceptance that's when you are beautifully positioned, not just to elevate your life, but, but the lives of others. And I think that's all of our personal responsibility to do that work of elevation. Amen. Drop the mic on that one. Thank you, Sheila. I, I appreciate the tools, the wisdom, and your authenticity that you have shared and, and, and really being in service because that, that's what I hear. Like we're all connected. And so thank you for being an instrument. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. So many beautiful yeah, gifts. It was. Thank you. Great day yeah. to, to see you. So thank you. I appreciate it. Same here. We did too. Thank you for listening to this episode. Our intention is that you take these tools to break through any limitation holding you back from living your extraordinary life. If you'd like to learn more about our group and individual coaching, contact us at the BTO podcast at gmail.com. Please support us and the podcast by following us and leaving a rating or review. To catch all the latest, follow us at the BTO Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.